welcome to a new episode of the Uptime Punks podcast. I'm here with Tim Shorno and Tor Christian Geilen, and me, your regular visitor, Svein Atle Hagese. Excellent. Green Mountain. Wow. Uh, oh, this, this is so cool. Paul, you're done. I have a new co-host now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you heard it, guys. Uh, we have Swain back. Uh, Swain from the north, well, Canada, but still technically Norway, um, from from the great company, Big um, Green Mountain, um, the world's most sustainable or greenest data center. We'll come to that later. And we have a very special guest today as well, which is Dr. Christian Gland, and he's the CEO of, um, of that um, data center uh, company, Green Mountain. And uh, yeah, I have the pleasure to host this brief episode where we will talk about uh, lobsters and heat reuse once again. And um, yeah, just dive into some questions of maybe circular economy and what's been up at, uh, at Green Mountains, what the general updates are. And then, yeah, uh, maybe talk about beards and Vikings, but that's for the end. <laughs> <laughs> So how have you been, guys? Uh, welcome to the podcast tour. It's a, it's a, a pleasure and an honor to to have you. Uh, you must be very, very busy because there's lots going on at Green Mountain. So, um, yeah, how is it to be the CEO uh, of, of, of Green Mountain? And uh, what have you been up to in the last couple? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, job and, and having a, a fantastic team together with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say, especially Sven Atla, which I'm, I'm working really, really uh, close with. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm leading a company that, that's in one of the, I would say, the most interesting markets. It's a growing market. Mm -hmm. And with the uh, uniqueness of Norway, uh, of with, we, we have a cold and wet uh, climate and we have extremely cheap power, uh, all green and renewable. That brings business to Norway. And that makes us uh, busy. So we have a lot of things to do. Uh, we just finalized on Saturday uh, or handed over uh, to a customer, a completely new four megawatt uh, building, uh, delivered three days ahead of the agreed date. And, uh, and I have, I normally say I have a fantastic team of uh, project managers and uh, uh, and technical experts uh, being able to deliver such a, a, a large project during a pandemic, uh, that's been an, an achievement. So um, a lot of things going on, uh, and uh, I don't think we will uh, see less activity moving forward. It's more or less the opposite. Uh, what we see today is that, that it will continue to grow in Norway, and we're ready. Yeah, just to recap, you're too late for um, the audience. And yeah, by the way, uh, I, I think it must be really fun to work for you because I see your your uh, your stuff is always on podcasts and even comes back. So uh, <laughs> and then even you come along. Uh, so yeah, I, I I find that very really cool. Um, so if you ever want to work for a company where you do uh, good for the planet, uh, push digitization forward, and you can talk with guys like me about that stuff. You may want to send your CV over to Stavanger, Norway. <laughs> uh, yeah, cool. No, but let's 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 um, recapitulate a little bit. So this lobster farm thing, right? We've talked about it last time. Um, so as I hear, it is now actually something that's uh, fully implemented. So I can already, I could already buy 
lobsters that are how, how is the story going lobsters that are in water that is hot from the, the that is uh, that is hot of the of the heat waste uh, reuse from your data centers right so tor that you yes how how is this working i'll i'll give i can give a short little uh, answer that and the tour mm -hmm. can uh, elaborate a little bit uh, we uh, right before summer we announced that we were kind of going ahead with a project with uh, a company called norwegian lobster farm mm -hmm. to build an onshore lobster uh, farm for, uh, to be able to uh, farm uh, plate-sized lobster uh, uh, using our heat from the data center and um, so that's probably it's not operational yet it's uh, they're starting to build uh, right uh, adjacent our data centers and uh, the, the benefit of this is that you can actually leverage the heat or the water from our data center directly so in comparison to for instance a district heating system where you have to increase the temperature uh, you can just use the water as it is uh, and then uh, have that directly into the lobster farm. The benefit from the lobster farm is that they can reduce the production time of these plate-sized lobsters from five years down to two years, which is a huge uh, business case for them, of course, because if you can produce it faster, it means that you get the lobsters quicker to market. So that was so actually the ability to utilize that uh, excess heat that was kind of the crucial aspect for their business case to uh, to build this onshore lobster farm. That's yeah. but that's funny. But you, you guys are in the data center business. So so how how did you come to this idea? Or oh, let's 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 work with some lobster farm. I mean, we could have we, been anything else, right? Or I mean, no. Lobster Why is really lobster good? so good? Yeah, it is good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but we, we have been working for, for I would say, almost 10 years uh, identifying project that, that were able to reuse the, the heat of the data center. It's uh, The data center is located on an island uh, quite far away from, from people. There is not a lot of activity in the, in the uh, near vicinity. So we have to think uh, differently. Uh, and that's why we, and we're close to the sea. And so that's why we have... Uh, we have tried to identify uh, onshore fish farming as, as one uh, potential uh, solution. And uh, uh, we came in contact with, uh, with the company Norwegian Lobster Farm. And during that process, I have learned a lot about breeding lobsters. And it's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, area. They are super difficult to, to breed because they're cannibalism. They, they eat each other. So you have mm -hmm. to put one of them uh, every one of them in in separated uh, in separate baskets so that, that they are not in contact with with each other and and the company that 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 uh, that has this idea and has been uh, developing this technology for more than 10 years they now have a, a pilot facility on an island next to 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 uh, our island and they are currently breeding lobsters so if you're able to visit stavanger I will make sure there is lobster on the menu, but not from our data center, but from the production facility uh, uh, nearby. But they have, they have more or less identified on how to breed lobster. It's the first one uh, in the world that, that has has been able to to cultivate uh, that uh, cultivate lobster in a way where you could could breed them. Uh, 
uh, and not fish fish them in 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 the sea. Mm, okay. So 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 sustainability improvement over there. So as 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 a Green Mountain employee, would I get some kind of discount on those lobsters, or how does that? <laughs> of course. Okay. You get you you're paid in lobsters basically, right? <laughs> we we it's too bad all... if you're vegan, but no. sorry, that's that's my commission, Tim. That's your lobster. commission. You must get tons of lobsters um, <laughs> at the moment. So I, I that, hope you. I hope for you, you are not vegan and you really, really like lobsters. Lobster burger, lobster fries, lobster whatever. So uh, yeah. We, 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 could, yeah, we could talk about living in Norway and uh, and uh, as uh, raised on the country, uh, doing hunting since I was small. I'm uh, definitely not a vegan. So uh, no, uh, not at all. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, but I think I think one of the, the the cool things with this is that it it's, it's not just that it's a, a lobster farm. It's actually uh, we did a survey together with a local grid company in uh, Stavanger mm -hmm. uh, to to identify other potential type of heat reuse options. Like to Christian them uh, mentioned, our facility is a, a little bit remotely located outside of Stavanger, about 30 kilometers outside mm -hmm. on a small island where there's not opportunity to use regular district heating, which is kind of the most uh, uh, most used uh, use case in regards to heat reuse. So we needed to, to identify how can we kind of look at other options of finding heat reuse uh, alternatives when district heating is not... Uh, uh, eligible and and also it is low gray heat so you need to, to heat it like i mentioned earlier so in this survey they we looked at 35 different type of industries uh, and then identified five which were kind of ideal and that could use the the temperature directly uh, onshore fish farming was one of them some mm -hmm. other things that we're also looking at now is algae production we are looking at hydroponic farming, which is also a fantastic. Like Geto Christian said, it's, uh, it's wet and cold in Norway, mm -hmm. which means that the farmers traditionally only have one season. Uh, so you cannot do uh, farming all year round uh, unless you have uh, greenhouses and, and things like that. So hydroponic, you use actually 99% la less land. You mm -hmm. use 99% uh, uh, less water. Uh, it's GMO friendly, etc., and that they can also use the water directly without having to heat it up because the, the perfect uh, temperature for that is around 22, 23 degrees. So you can so finding those alternatives where you can kind of utilize the heat directly without having to add anything is kind mm -hmm. of ideal uh, use cases. So. Uh, the onshore lobster farm was our first uh, signed contract. And then a couple of weeks after that, we also signed a contract at our DC2 telemark facility for an onshore trout fish farm. Uh, mm -hmm. A company called Hema Seafoods are building their world's largest onshore trout fish farm uh, mm -hmm. adjacent our data center in, uh, in telemark. And, um, and uh, so that's, that's also being kind of uh, a project now being built and who's going to go live uh, later. So, so the ability to kind of identify these alternative ways of looking at how can we leverage the, that, uh, that um, a, um, a heat to other, other sources. And like I said, onshore lobster farm, onshore trout farm, hydroponic, all these kind of different options is something that we're kind of utilizing now for all 
new builds in in Norway. So and all that is that so that your commission uh, is more diversified and you don't have to eat absolutely. lobster all day long. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously. No. <laughs> no, the obvious reason is of course to push forward circular economy, right? So Tor, um, what what's that concept about circular economy? Why is it so important to you know? do heat waste reuse from a business perspective from an environmental perspective you as the cdo i understand you come from the operation side so not necessarily only from a business side but you have been a hands-on guy let's say and in that data center so you've basically have now the you've seen it all right mm. so what is it what does that all mean to you uh, circular economy and, and heat waste reuse it, it means it means a lot for for me and it means a lot for for green mountain as well and and for our industry uh the uh, data center industry is growing uh, worldwide and uh, uh, the data center industry is consuming a lot of uh, energy uh, and green and renewable energy is uh, is a resource that there isn't a lot of in uh, europe and in the in the world so when you're uh, consuming energy and about 85% of that energy is being transferred to heat. And it's possible uh, to reuse it if you have someone nearby that could use it. Uh, so so uh, it's more or less uh, 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 relating to us taking a responsibility on let's say the climate uh, challenges that we, we currently are, we see those climate challenges here in, in Norway, uh, where, where Norway is being uh, wetter, uh, it's raining more, uh, uh, it's good for energy production because we are filling up our reservoirs. So it, it, it generates a surplus of power. And an interesting thing, if you look at the power pricing and, and the, the power availability in Norway, if you go to, to the last year, 2020, we had three times during last year where the power price was negative, <laughs> meaning that you were paid to use power. And the reason for that was there was uh, uh, too much water up in the reservoirs, in the rivers, in the lakes, all that's being used for, for hydropower production, but there weren't any consumers. Mm -hmm. So we, we want to use that power use that excess power in norway and but we also want to bring circularity into it so that we're able to also use the energy that's being transferred transfer uh, transferred to heat in 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 our, our data center and and it, it is our responsibility we have to think differently mm -hmm. uh, there is a change going on in europe with uh with uh from going from a carbon uh, production to uh, a renewable uh, production uh, and for for us to achieve that change uh, uh, we all, we all have to to uh, uh, work accordingly uh, and and help in the way we, we can help on that I, I think there's a there's a few other aspects here that are, are crucially important as well in regards to circularity right and that's uh, we uh, constantly now see uh, companies signing up for uh, uh, for targets, uh, ESG targets, uh, and uh, you see in the Microsoft and and other companies kind of saying that they also are going to go carbon negative. 
yeah. uh, going forward, forward, right? So the ability to identify what we can do and how we can contribute on that value chain is extremely important. So now going forward, there's more focus on scope three emissions. Yeah. And of course, having heat reuse options that kind of reduces uh, that scope three emission and, uh, and addresses all different, not just our direct, but also the, our indirect mm. uh, emissions, right? So the ability to support our client's journey, both towards zero, but also beyond zero, uh, right? Yeah. Into a kind of a, a climate positive or a carbon negative type yeah. of future. And, and heat reuse is, is one of the uh, important aspects yeah. on that journey. Excellent. I, I, I actually, the scope free is always, you know, somewhere in the background when you start talking about, especially now that uh, I hopefully hope we will soon be able to measure it better. So I don't know if we can like reduce scope free, like right now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because what you have embodied in your stuff is, is already put out there. So you can, but what you can do as I see it. So uh, my question is, do, do you agree? is as of you have a debt and you are now paying it back and at some point you will be at zero and then you will be in a positive balance is that kind of the right way to put it like you have a debt because you blew out a lot of carbon to build your data center not only to power it and now you're paying that debt back and when you are at zero you will go even further or um it, it depends a little bit on uh, how the scope three is actually going to be be uh, measured. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think uh, I think it's uh, if I, I can take a different perspective. I'm I'm sitting now in uh, in the IMason Sustainability Committee. Yeah. And uh, as part of that, we're trying to define a, a sustainability framework. What mm -hmm. is it that actually makes a data center sustainable? And, oh, and that and that kind of goes. For, from cradle to cradle, uh, kind of, or from cradle to death, if you would like to say that, from a data center. So everything on how do you look at sustainability from the initial plan till a data center is decommissioned or refurbished, right? Mm -hmm. And all of these different aspects. And until you're able to measure scope three, you need to make sure that you look at this holistic value chain of, of uh, doing that. So I can say that we can be we can be carbon negative on everything that we're producing going forward, but mm -hmm. historically that's a little bit harder to measure. For sure. Um, so so for our clients, we can report on being carbon negative on their scope three mm -hmm. um, uh, going forward. But uh, but of course, doing that going back that's a little bit uh, on how do you actually measure that value chain going forward or mm -hmm. uh, going historically. Mm -hmm. is, is, is Green Mountain itself um, also looking at these kinds of framework or implementing some or are you just um, talking about, about that because you are part of the IMASONS uh, committee? No, we, no, we, yeah. Yeah. Ahead, yeah, we, we, we are definitely looking that way and uh, we're, I'm, I'm following Sven Atlas doing a good job with it in the IMSN Sustainability Committee. And uh, I'm looking forward to a framework that's be, that's able to, to, where we're able to measure the status of, of, of a data set. And what we can do today is to make sure that we're, we're supplying all the data centers with green and renewable uh, power. We are uh, investigating the use of uh, fuel cells instead of diesel generators. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are uh, uh, evaluating uh, 
whether to run the generators for, for testing uh, uh, as long as we're, we're doing today. So we are constantly looking into new ways of improving the or reducing the, 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 the carbon emissions. We have a, uh, where uh, Norway is a country where a lot of people drive electric cars. So uh, our company cars are all electric. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we tend to go that extra mile to, to uh, do what we can today to reduce uh, carbon emission so that we are ready when we have a, a measurable way of, of saying where we are. We know we're one of the best as we're located in Norway. And another good example is our DC1 Stavanger facility that was, uh, it's a former NATO ammunition storage. Uh, blasted into uh, to a mountain built by NATO in the in the mid 60s, and we have been able to reuse that infrastructure. In addition to that, we're measuring every customer's carbon emission. Uh, we have a tool or or a software solution that we have self developed, where we're reporting on a lot of different elements to the customers. And one of that is their carbon emission, where we're calculating the, the, uh, the amount of kilowatt hours that's being delivered from the gensets when we do a monthly testing and, and so. So they get a, a carbon emission report every month saying uh, the amount of the kilograms of, of carbon they have consu consumed by being a customer of, of Green Monk. So they could take that report directly into their uh, environmental reporting uh, company-wise. I, I have a question for you, Dr. Christian. I, I think I asked it to Swain as, as well back then. Do you think is this the customer demand that is driving the sustainability in the data centers? Or is it uh, the other way around that actually the data centers it's a bit of the egg and, and, and chicken <laughs> question, but or let's put it simply like what is it true that that what you, we read like that it's the customers that demand to be green because they need it for their reports and they've all pledged to be green so obviously their IT infrastructure and data center needs to be sustainable as well or is there something more to it? Uh, definitely today we see it's the customers that are requiring uh, the data center to be located in a location where they mm. can be green Mm. and not only buy themselves green. We see when we're in customer dialogues today, uh, some customers ask us, uh, one of the first questions they're asking us, are you able to deliver a green and renewable solution? Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to say yes, it's, uh, it's goodbye and, and welcome to the next one. So it's today it's driven by the customer and we have seen the the focus on sustainability has increased over the years, and we uh, and I think it will continue to increase. But but we see a lot of demand from the European market due to uh, the sustainability requirement. And when we're able to deliver a solution that's what a what a cost of power is far below the rest of the Europe, and you're green and renewable. So you get like both things. Uh, you get a cheap solution that is meeting the sustainability goals. 
and yeah, I, I I think it's a, this this question is is always kind of just like I say it's a chicken and a chicken and the egg type of thing is who actually started, but uh, just like the Christian started initially uh, when we built the first data center DC One Stop Anger, it was set uh, based on a, a mission right of setting the green standard. We wanted to build the greenest, most sustainable data center. And that we have, we believe that we have been able to to do so since then, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, even since I started, I've been in in Green Mountain now for five and a half years. And uh, I remember I had my first uh, meeting with a hyperscaler in Seattle about five years ago, and uh, sustainability came up on the table, and we said, "No, we can deliver 100% uh, renewable, and uh, you can actually be green versus buying green." And I said, "Yeah, that's fine, but uh, <laughs> but." We'll, we'll take renewables if you can get it, but it's not the most important uh, aspect, right? It's it's more about sustainable uh, or more about the cost and latency and uh, uh, resilience and redundancy and all the other things that uh, have been traditionally for, for data centers. But I think over these five years, it's been a tremendous shift uh, in regards to customer demand. Now, uh, more and more companies are being driven from kind of a mission statement that they want to to be be green, not buy themselves green, and uh, I think that's kind of what we see in a lot of our client dialogues as well. Is is that kind of drive to be green versus buying yourself green, um, and and being able to kind of do that uh, and be able to do that already today. A lot of these companies have, have kind of targets for 2030. 2030 yeah. that comes fast. If yeah. you're planning for 2030, you better do something now. That's 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 true, and I just wonder maybe some tricky question for you, Tor. You mentioned these reports that you sent to your customers on how many kilograms of CO two emissions they have. How many of them are are actually on zero or below zero? <laughs> I think I think that's that's a really good question. When it comes to the to the data center, uh, uh, I would say a lot of them are uh, struggling being a carbon negative in europe today uh, comes with a cost and mm-hmm. we see uh, quite a lot of of companies not willing to take that cost okay. uh, uh, some of the big ones that the, the one that that, that the, the big hyperscalers they they have to do that to be able to compete in the market but there is quite a lot uh, below them that 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 don't have the same focus because uh, it's 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 uh, it's quite ex- expensive but being in Norway, the customers that running in Norway, running on, on, on green renewable power, they are the operation, the electricity used to operate their, their servers are carbon positive. Uh, but then you could add on, you could bring on the servers were transported to Norway in a truck and, and they were flown to Europe in a in a plane or by a ship also. So if you do the whole, the whole delivery chain, there are ch- still challenges that I think we will struggle to overcome moving forward. We could be more efficient. We could change some of the, 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 the transport sector and, and, and so on. But, but, uh, but being in our data centers, uh, your, uh, your carbon, uh, close to carbon negative. So not that. I think one of the, the interesting things that people don't think about, just like Christian mentioned, is that both in regards to getting renewable, uh, low or uh, zero carbon type of, of energy, it's, it's all the other aspects that you get from, from being in Norway as well. One of them is actually cost. So in Norway, if you have a 10 megawatt facility in Europe, 
if you move that from Frankfurt to Norway, that's a 190 million euro saving over a 10 year period, just on power cost alone. 190 million, 75% lower cost of having that data center in Norway. And with latency down to Frankfurt being 15 uh, milliseconds round trip, then you probably can move 95% of your workloads to Norway mm -hmm. and have them running uh, as good as they are in Germany. So it's, a, so it's, it's about also utilizing the opportunities where they are. And I think that's one of the things that the industry in general are not good at. We have a tendency to put everything close because we think we need it close instead of actually what type of workloads do I need to keep close and what could I get at the sustainable aspect. And then the, the last aspect of that is that those 190 million euros that this 10 megawatt client uh, saves by moving to Norway, those 190 million could be used to, to reduce your carbon impact in a lot of other areas, right? So that cost savings, use that to, to actually reduce something else, uh, right? So it's, so it's about kind of looking at it from, again, a holistic perspective and then dare to established uh, there to, to challenge established truths. Because I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have in this industry is that we tend to do everything the same way as we did last, last time we did something. So kind of thinking new, daring to act, and then uh, thinking more holistically on how, uh, how your data can be managed is, is one of the, the key things here. Well, Kristen, maybe uh, one of the last questions for you, because you need to wrap this up uh, slowly. You've been COO, so operations side of the data center, now you're CEO. Is there something that you are now able to do that you weren't able to do? They always said at the COO, this needs to change, man. I, and now you're in that position and you're able to do it. And yeah, if yes, what, 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 what would that be? Uh, that uh, yes, yes, there is, and and uh, and being uh, the one that's making the decision, uh, I'm able to challenge my team in a way to to build uh, efficient, build cost effective, being able to innovate in in I I know the technology, I know data centers. I've been working with data center for 25 years, and mm -hmm. and uh, I'm I'm following the business quite close as well. So I know, let's say, the new areas. There's been improvement on cooling. Uh, you see uh, uh, the kilowatt capacity per racks are improving. So I'm constantly uh, working together with, with my team in order to, to be that leader in technology. Uh, and I'm the one making the decision, but I'm also the one able to challenge them on their proposals. So I, I think that puts Green Mountain in a unique position where we're we're delivering really good solutions. Uh, we're innovative. As I said, we're working with fuel cells as an alternative for, for, for diesel generators. Uh, I don't think that will be, let's say, common uh, products within the next one to three years, but it definitely will be there in five years. And we want to be the leader in that technology when it's, it's commercialized. So, so I would say my, my, my advantage is that I'm working close with my team on decisions to, 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 uh, to make Green Mountain and uh, to, to what it is. And, and, and we have over the last four years, 
uh, we have five times the capacity since uh, 2018. So we have a, a fantastic growth uh, story uh, and we're continuing to grow. And, and I would say it, it's, it's my team uh, with everyone in, in my team, uh, skillful and knowledgeable within our, our business that are able to do that together with, with me. So uh, uh, I would say uh, being able to uh, make decision and challenge the team is, uh, is uh, I think, uh, a really key success story for, for the growth we've, we've had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I would I, actually, I would like to ask another question. So as a CEO, you just need things to run. Let's, let's put this in. You just, you, COO, you just needed things to run. You needed to be efficient. Now as a CEO, how has your perspective changed on like, um, you know, sustainability and all that? How important has, has there been a shift in importance for sustainability uh, from now versus when you were CEO, when you just needed things to run and quick and, you know, zero downtime, you know, as, as, you, as you always wanted and expected, you know, the holy grail of the industry um, being uptime. Um, <laughs> right so i actually needed to mention this notion because you know we're the uptime punk so finally i did last five minutes um but and 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 now uh being a C ceo is there some yeah so how, how has your perspective changed on, on uptime actually uh, the, the 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 one or not the one but the, the main focus is i took with me when i i started in in green mountain was automation how are we able to automate a facility in a way that uh, uh, it's uh, operating with 100% uptime uh, without having people uh, uh, maintaining constantly? Uh, the way you do that, you're, you're, uh, you integrate sensors, you're measuring things, you're doing maintenance uh, pro proactively. And we have implemented system that though many of those systems has been developed in the Stavanger region uh, for the oil and gas business, where, where the challenge was that it, it's expensive to have people on an oil rig out in the North Sea. Uh, so we tried to move the control center onshore uh, and use sensors and, and, uh, and automation to regulate the data center. I took it even further. I said, I don't want an operating center. I don't want, have I don't want to have people sitting behind a desk looking at a lot of screens doing nothing. I want to have people out in the data center doing normal maintenance or assisting customers. And then you're, you're doing the alarming via device that they have in their pocket. So if anything happens, they're able to respond to it while they are out producing. And we also, we have also done quite a lot to predict alarms, meaning that we're able to, to get pre-warnings on something that's not as it should be ahead of a critical alarm, meaning that we're able to proactively, proactively uh, uh, fix or change something before it, it creates alarms. And by using, let's say, the, the knowledge from the oil and gas sector and, and, and some self-developed tools and, and, and uh, some other, let's say, quite unique solution, we have been able to deliver 100% uptime on all data centers since day one.
and we haven't had a let's say a, a breach in redundancy we have had power on all systems for all data center since 2013 when we turned it, turn it on and we haven't had any rack above or below the temperature range that we're we're operating in so uh, 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 that's something i started and something that are currently being uh, developed uh, further and uh, for me issuing funding to those projects uh, uh, in, to get these projects improved is 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 definitely easy when uh, when i'm the 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 one that 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 was part of getting it uh, in place okay all right um yes i would like to actually wrap it up here um didn't ask all the questions I wanted to ask, but, uh, you know, there's a time limit and I'm sure we'll see each other again, discuss some more questions, go a bit more in depth, see where you have gotten to. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for being part of this, uh, Tor Christian, um, dedicating your time on educating our uh, listeners, getting the message out. Um, Swain, thanks for joining again. I'm glad we didn't uh, talk about my beard <laughs> for once. And uh, yeah, uh, if there is anything more that you want to get out now, like short closing statement, do it now. Otherwise, I really thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thank you very much, Tim. It was great, thank, uh, thank great being on it as, as always. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure being here and I'm happy to join again. Excellent. Okay, so part three is uh, in the making from now. Dear listeners, we'll wrap it up and uh, yeah, see you next time and then hopefully again with Paul. All right. Mm -hmm.